Sean Khalif from Man. Money's the motivation, money's the conversation. You on vacation, we getting paid, so we on vacation. I did it for the fam. It's whatever we had to do, it's just who I am. Yeah, it's the life I chose. Gunshots in the dark, one eye closed. And we got it cooking like a one eye stove. You can catch me kissing my girl with both eye closed. Yeah, perfecting my passion, thanks for asking. Couldn't slow down, so we had to crash it. You use plastic, we bout cash I see some people ahead that we gon' pass, yeah I never fear death but dying I only fear never trying I am whatever I am Only God can judge me Put it all out on the line with If you're looking for me, you can find wit In a new car or the crown whip My new bra does a fine chick In the weather squad, I'm down with Ain't no way around it What you say, tell me what you say Working hard, repping for my dogs Do this every day, taking off Looking out for all, making sure we ball Like the mob, all you do is call Catch you if you fall, young Khalifa I never fear death or dying I only fear never trying uh. I am whatever I am Only God can judge me Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whenever you're listening to this. Uh, we are back, motherfuckers. Um, we are here with episode 20 of Dude and the Monkey. I am Mark Foster, and I am joined as ever by my host. Ian Loring, hi guys. Um, we've been delayed on this episode slightly because a couple of weeks ago, my mum got married, and I was at that wedding getting drunk, and then last weekend, um, my chinstroker and Hannah, his now wife, got married, and me and Ian um, were, well, we were pretty shit-faced by, you know, at this time last week, well, actually, this time last week, we were at home, probably recovering. But no, I was pretty fucking hungover by this time yeah, last week. Yeah, uh, but this time, on the Saturday, we were pretty drunk. Uh, and we did manage to, while we were that weekend, we did go and see Star Trek. So we will be talking briefly about that, mainly because we saw it over a week ago, and you know we've we've drank a considerable amount that weekend. So um, here's the going sort of ball deep into it. So instead, we are going to go absolutely ball deep into Fast and Furious Six, um, and we're also going to be looking at a one old, one new, and um, chatting some trailers. And we start a new marathon. Uh, this marathon, I'm, I'm going to let you describe the uh, marathon, Ian, of how we came up with this marathon. Yeah, so we were walking along in Birmingham uh, the morning after the wedding, after we'd had a Nando's at 11 o'clock in the morning, which was mighty fine, I must say. It did, it um, did cure some hills. Yeah, definitely. Um, and Mark says, how about we do... Uh, a Demi marathon or something like that. And I, I was like, oh, Jonathan Demi. And I started talking about the films. He was like, no, Ted Demi. And it was like, well, no, why don't we do a Jonathan and Ted Demi marathon? Yes. And I believe you came up with the name. <laughs> Double Demi. Double Demi. So, uh, yes, the uh, the marathon over the next uh, to be decided amount of weeks will be our Double Demi marathon. Yes, uh, I think we're going to leapfrog it. So we're going to do a, a, um, a 
Jonathan Demi one to start off with, um, and then we're going to cover um, covering his debut film today, which was Caged Heat, and then next we will cover um, Baby Demi. Uh, well, they are actually related, actually, aren't they as well? Yeah, uh, it's his nephew, isn't it? Oh, I thought they were brothers, but okay, cool. I think it's his nephew, yeah. Um, All right, cool. uh, we're going to cover um, his, possibly his debut feature, or his second feature. Um, we haven't really discussed it, but we'll yeah, we'll work that out as we go along. Um, so, um, without further ado, um, we're going to play you a little clip from... Well, what about some trailers to start we're, off with? We're going to talk to about trailers, which I always forget. <laughs> um, Ian, what, what trailers have you seen? Um, well, you know, we haven't been about for a while, but I'll, I'll, I'll try and keep it relatively brief. Uh, Ender's Game, um, uh, I didn't need to know how many Oscar-nominated Oscar people were in Ender's Game, but the trailer certainly told us, if I remember correctly. Yeah, did, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, the World's End, maybe? Did we not? Uh, maybe we we'll talked no, about that No, we didn't time. talk about World's End. Okay, um, which I, 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 I like the trailer myself, um, and... The defense gag, fair enough. Um, a little bit indulgent, uh, but we'll we'll see. Uh, Captain Phillips looks very tense. Looks like United ninety three part two. Uh, in terms of style, that's fine by me. Gravity, little bit underwhelmed by that trailer, but it's just a kind of basically setting up the concept. But I'm sure it's going to be amazing. Um, August Osage County, which I've got a feeling might be a bit of an Oscar botherer. Um, yeah. uh, a very very good cast, um, but you know. I, I don't know. We'll we'll see. Uh, About time, which I think looks very sweet. You know, it's Richard Curtis, so obviously Riddick looks like it was made twenty years ago, but it's all the better for it. Yes. Uh, you know, it really does. It does. Um, it, it, it does. But but do you know what? I'm I'm fucking all for it. Yeah. No. Totally. I'm 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 yeah. I'm very on board for Riddick. It, it is literally just the fact. Obviously, they they had problems on production. They had to shut down for a while because they like didn't have any money for it. And it was basically independently financed and kind of like became a film just through Vin Diesel's force of will alone, basically. Um, but yeah, it looks stripped down. It looks, you know, it, it, it looks very, very small. Um, it looks like pitch black too, as opposed to the Riddick Chronicles part three. Um, and I'm all right with that. I've, I've got uh, Chronicles of Riddick was on ITV two the other day and I've got it taped. So I'm, curious for a rewatch of that but yeah riddick good on vin diesel and i'm looking forward to it even though i don't think it's going to make any fucking money but as a passion project good for him and i watched the new trailer for pacific rim which is still my most anticipated summer film was before the start of the summer still is uh roll on rim fest in less than two months mm. um i most the same um saw the today before i watch uh, fast and the Furious, saw the um another mm. earth trailer again um after earth. after earth yeah um i can't that's 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 how excited i am about that film i can't even be asked to remember its name yeah. uh that what that looks fucking awful i mean I'm, yeah that's that's got the potential to be like a massive stinker i i i i really 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 hope that film fails not just like fails but really fucking fails because I, I, we don't need a slightly shorter, younger, more obnoxious, and more arrogant Will Smith. We don't yeah. need that. Um, yeah. He's basically a black movie version of Justin Bieber. And 
you know, film fans don't want him as much as music fans don't want Justin Bieber. So, I hope that fucking fails. Um, going on record and say it, um, saw the full trailer, um, cinema trailer for uh, Hangover 3. I think it looks fucking great. I, it, I, I'm looking forward to Hangover 3. I, I, I think it, 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 and we've said it on here before, it looks like they've gone, nobody will ever get this much money to make a film like this again. Let's just make it as batshit as crazy. And the fact that you've got fucking um, Chang from Community, I can't remember his name on top of my head now, um, yeah. base jumping and then flying himself, shouting, I love cocaine. Just that that actually got a few people actually clapped in my screen of Fast and Furious, wow. which says a lot, to be honest. Um, but yeah, um, I, I'm going to also say that I, I, I'm looking forward to World's End, but I thought that trailer was brutal. I thought okay. um, the whenever I see anything and Martin Freeman appears, my brain immediately goes, oh, fuck. I was looking forward to that as well. And then when I see him with a Bluetooth earpiece, it's a bit like, really? We've moved on from that joke, haven't we? If they keep referencing the Bluetooth earpiece, it, you know, it's a bit kind of six, seven years ago when they first arrived. Um, but it's just a fucking trailer, so I'm overthinking it too much. Cause I, really... I, think, I, I wonder who's going to last in that film as well. Like, Eddie Marzan, I've just got a feeling he's not going to be in it much. I think he's going to get offed yeah. quite early on. And I think Freeman's got the potential to do oh, that as well. Fucking hope so. With one of the, the singularly most unlikable actors of his generation. Hate him. Um, <laughs> so anyway... Um, we're going to play a little clip from um, Fast and Furious 6 uh, and then we're going we're gonna to get into what is um, strangely uh, one of the most highly anticipated movies of the um, summer I'd say mm. um, so here you go so how's the life of a retired international criminal I need your help Dom Last week, a team of highly coordinated drivers took down a military convoy. This most recent job graduated them to a whole new level. You're going to help me catch the team responsible. Why is that, Hobbs? This was taken a week ago. He's messing with your head. Lady's dead, though. I need to know for sure. Then I'm going with you. Equipment's way better than that trash in Rio. Way better. So now we work for the Hulk? Things changed. Breathe with me. Our target's Owen Shaw, former major in the SAS Spec Ops soldier. You help us get Letty, we'll get you, Shaw. But we need full pardons all the way around. And cars. Make sure they're fast. Vehicular warfare. I've never seen this before. You believe in ghosts? You don't turn your back on family, even when they do.
very reason you weren't even in the game. That was a little trailer from um, Fast and Furious 6, um, or Fast 6, Furious 6, whatever it is actually going to be known at, wherever you are. Uh, it's, the, funny enough, the sixth movie in the Fast and Furious franchise. Um, uh, the other movies were called something else. Um, it's directed by Justin Lin, who directed the Tokyo Drift, the, yeah, the Tokyo Drift, Fast and Furious, and Fast 5. Uh, it stars... Vin Diesel's return, Paul Walker's return, Dwayne The Rock Johnson's return, Jordana Brewster's bought the shit out of us again, uh, Michelle yeah. Rodriguez is here, uh, you've got Ludacris Bridges, Luke Evans, Gina Carano. Um, Ian, what did you think of Fast and Furious 6? Okie dokie. Um, I was... like the, the thing is with the, the, these films is it annoyed me at... Like, with the marketing, how people were just all over the trailer, just coming over the trailer, just in a, you know, Fast Five was some sort of revolutionary, holy fucking shit, what a film, action fest. I like Fast Five. Mm. Uh, I wrote a review for it for EC Blue Film back in the day, and I gave it a 3.5 out of 5. I like Fast Five. Um, but it, it, it kind of annoyed me just how... People were over Fast and Furious 6. My reaction to Fast and Furious 6? <laughs> um, I am ready to hold up my hands and say, fair enough, Fast and Furious 6 works, and even though there are moments which are so dunderheaded, I can barely believe they even were typed on a keyboard ever, let alone actually inserted into a film. Um, they, as as an action film, personally, I think it's better than Fast Five. Yeah. Um, that some, of, I mean, the action is spectacular. Every single like action sequence, and there are a lot in this film, is spectacular. Even if they make no sense whatsoever. <laughs> um, but it's but why I think it's better than Fast Five is because unlike Fast Five, it seems to know it doesn't make any sense, and it is fucking ridiculous. You have the characters calling it out in the film. I mean, like, Ludacris' character is basically the one who points out, him and Tyrese Gibson's character, the ones pointing out how ridiculous all this stuff is, both in the setup mm. and also it, it just the line, it, can I smell baby oil? Yeah, yeah. Also, y you know. Also, uh, sorry, God. Uh, yeah, uh, also as well, stuff like the fact that when they're explaining what's going on, 
Tyrese Grimson's more worried about getting a pack of crisps. Like, yeah, like he's very yeah. much aware of, it doesn't matter what's going on, because I'm not going to understand it anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it, it's... It it, it it revels, it positively revels in how fucking stupid it is. One of my favourite, one of my favourite moments in this film is Luke Evans's face of glee <laughs> as he is just aiming a tank at normal People. people's yeah. cars as a way of distracting the heroes from him a lot of he people just decides i'm movie. just gonna kill people <laughs> yeah. indiscriminate and the fucking face that luke evans has of just ah this is fucking great it, it it's just a film full of these moments that made me smile and the other fast films didn't have nearly as even fast five which i rewatched a couple of weeks back didn't have as many of these moments um i thought it was a joy if a joy that did, did make me feel slightly guilty, uh, Mark. Um, I'm, I'm the same as you. Um, I'm a. I think I'm more of a fan of the series than than yourself is of the series. Yeah, definitely. Um, yes. Than yourself is. Um, I liked the first. Um, didn't hate the second. I didn't mind Tokyo Drift. Thought Fast and Furious the fourth one was just terrible. Um, the fourth one is a ter- is a terrible, terrible, terrible yeah. film in, in pretty much every aspect. So I was amazed when they made Fast Five um, after just the absolute mess that Fast and Furious was. Uh, but I enjoyed Fast Five, but the problem with Fast Five I had with it was when it didn't have an action set piece, you were just waiting for the next action set piece to happen, and you were kind of going, don't care. Don't care about any of your characters at all. Just want to watch the next action set piece. Um, And my worry would be with Fast and Furious 6 would be that it would be the same thing, that you'd be going, right, when's the next action set piece? Now, luckily in this, you don't have to wait very long between action set pieces. But actually, the bits between... Aren't that bad. Are fine. Are fine. And like you said, it it points out its stupidity quite often. Uh, it's ridiculousness, and also as well is it with all kind of action films they 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 tread on a line of reality um, that you've got to you've got to accept the fact that no action film is based in the real world. They're based in this version of the real world where stuff like this is 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 plausible, um, and that this. It, it does kind of sit within that. Um, the laws of physics are obeyed more than the other <laughs> Fast and Furious movies, um, sure. which I liked about that. Also, uh, you know, you've got Dwayne Johnson looks like he's having an absolute fucking ball. Like he's gone. Mm. So basically, I have to stand really rigid, tensed all of the time, and just throw away lines. Just. Like whatever, just just deliver all lines in a really kind of serious but mocking voice, and it works wonderfully. The fact that he constantly calls Gina Carano woman, woman, yeah, but it's not in a derogatory manner. It's in a it's in a playfully derogatory manner. It's like he's saying, "Look, look how beefy and manly I am. I'm gonna call this girl woman all the time. 
but it's like an affectionate, jokey kind of thing. The fact that he, he, he's very impressed by her. That, that's the that, the fact that he's always commenting about how good she is yeah. as well, I think takes away from the potential misogynistic aspect of that bit of the film. I mean, there's a bit of misogyny going on in this film, but that that's that's not it. Yeah, I, I think there is and there isn't, to be honest. Um, I think... Uh, which, which, sorry, which, which, which bit do you think... Okay. Um, the treatment of... Vin Diesel's girlfriend from the end of Fast Five. <laughs> what you mean the fact that that he basically just fuck, fucks her off? <laughs> what the thing is, and she lets him. Yeah. She's just like, yeah, you can go off and do this. You know, if it was my husband, I thought there was a chance he was alive, I'd do it as well. Which is like the one line that excuses it. But then at the end of the film, even though I just thought this was, I thought this was screenwriter Chris Morgan just taking the piss basically and knowing it. Vin Diesel uh, says to her. You know, you don't have to go if you don't want to. That's essentially Vin Diesel asking her to be his concubine. Uh, concubine. A little bit, yeah. You know, it, it is just like you know, I'll I'll throw you a piece every now and then if you want. If you if you want to hang around, that's absolutely fine. You know, I mean that the, the, it is hilarious. I, I think also part of it is the fact that in between five and six, she's been around. Uh, Paul Walker and Jordana Brewster's character, and she's been part of that family. Yeah. I think part of it is that. The other part of it is he's kind of saying, look, just because this isn't a thing anymore doesn't mean that you can't be part of the rest of this anymore. Maybe, but I read it as Vin Diesel thought he'd try and see if he could have some sort of three-way relationship, and he he was just like, oh, never mind. I think, why not? Fuck it, if if you've got a shot, take it. It, it just it, it it yeah that's that's a fair point. It just it it, it made it, it it made me laugh just how blatant that that like that 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 that, that whole aspect of you know it, it they it, it just it baffles me because at the end of Fast Five they have that little bit where it's like Eva Mendes is in it for five seconds and shows in the photo of Michelle Rodriguez. So they obviously had an inkling that they were going to bring her back and like that bit at the end of Fast Five where she turns up, the the other girl turns up with Vin Diesel and suddenly they're together. They just didn't have to have that. No, they didn't. Uh, And then they could have just, they could have just gotten away with it. They didn't, like, that bit was such a perfunctory, oh, all right, that's happening now then. That the fact that she's fucked off so quickly at the start of Fast and Furious 6, it's just, it's very, very odd. Yeah, I I completely forgot that she was, um, you know, what, what her character was in five i completely forgot i just i and it wasn't until about halfway through six i thought oh that's who she was oh that makes sense now um like that that's what you know i got just just completely forgotten about her but um i mean yeah god sorry i've gone a little bit off topic there um there was another great moment where um you've got a game tarius gibson doing the pointing stuff out where they've got all of the screens up and he's basically pointing at them going look these are us that's just you with that and you with yeah. that and and pointing at like uh paul walker that means that the, the paul walker getting on a plane being transported back to america um and then going into prison the um, shay wingham saying that it's going to take a full day to do a prince check yeah, uh, and then he just gets back on a plane and goes back. 
this the great thing about this film is is it at no point does it try to make sense of its plot devices. It just goes, here it is. It just does it. Here it, it is. Just... We're going to do it. If you don't like it, fuck off. Go watch something else. You know, there's Thor, there's Iron Man, there's all this other stuff you can go and watch. But when making this movie, for the people who want to watch this movie and who like the other movies, and let's be honest, there's a fucking lot of them now. So, balls to you. And I, it, it, go on. Sorry, go, go on. Go on. It just... The thing, like, I, 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 the thing is, if I didn't like the the action aspects of the film, I'd be far more down on that. You'd be like, this is fucking whatever. And in fairness, the plot, I mean, like, there's one plot like moment that I almost thought was just taking the piss out of the audience for actually going along with it, where the like the rock. I remember, has, spoilers all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The rock has. Owen Shaw. <laughs> yeah. He has him. It's done. You know, as far as he's concerned, it's done. He doesn't have any emotional uh, a- a- attachment to the Toretto family. We're, we're a family. They do say family a lot in this movie. Yeah, and, and they do in Fast Five as well. You know, it, we're a family. We're, yeah, we're a family. We're a barbecue. We're a family. Yeah, it, that, that's, that's, so he's got no emotional attachment to them whatsoever. One phone call. Oh, we've got we've got your missus. We got you, and that's it. <laughs> the Rock gives up. Owen Shaw. And the... it is fucking. It is the most retarded, like plot twist, third like third act reveal thing. I I think I've ever seen. I genuinely think that's the dumbest <laughs> thing I've ever 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 seen. I mean it it. It makes no sense. Given The Rock's character, yeah. it makes no sense whatsoever. I, I you know, I, 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 and the, his only thing is, you know, once Shaw gets, steps out of the room, there's no more amnesty. And then what happens there is. 15 minutes later in the film? <laughs> they still get their fucking amnesty. And, and yeah. there's, there's no repercussions for the fact that he has, by violent force, yeah. by pulling a gun on a member of the military... Um, he, you know, he, he, nothing's happened. Still got his job. It's all fine. Um, and at this, after they destroy a runway at an international airport. The longest, the longest runway, runway in the world. It's it just, <laughs> the, the thing is, it's almost every single moment, if not every single moment of this film is retarded. It is the dumbest fucking thing you've ever seen it, it, it's 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 brutal it is absolutely brutal but but the action scenes elevate it the and, and, and in fairness the character interactions are funny and they are fun but the action elevates it i mean the the joe taslim from the raid versus Ludacris and Tyrese Gibson action sequence is is very entertainingly funny. Yes. Um, the Gina Carano Michelle Rodriguez fights oh, are great. I, I, I'm not 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 gonna lie, massive blowing her all the way through. All the way totally. Through. Totally. Um, like, it, she, she, oh. Gina Carano is my new hero. If I ever saw Gina Carano in person, I would insult the shit out of her just so she beat the crap out of me. 
Yeah. I'd say something really offensive. Really, really, really offensive. Just as you hit me once, let go. And then after that, I'd say thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, and, and it was it, the first sort of fight that they had. I did sort of think, do you know what? Do you know what's great about this? Michelle Rodriguez has been doing the tough action girl bit for her entire career. And now she's actually up against somebody who is probably the hardest person on set. Um, And when you looked at the two of them next to each other, Gina Carano just looked so much bigger than Michelle Rodriguez. It was just a, it was a well done fight as well. They didn't sort of try to make it sort of tone it down or anything like that. It was as hardcore as the guy fights. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I mean, Christ, that moment, I know it's in, it's in the trailer, but it's still that moment where they kind of throw each other down the, um, down like the stairs. Yeah. And they just clang on the bar and then just fall down the rest of the stairs is in. It, I mean, that's awesome. Well, you know, that's, that's, that as well. That is, that's Michelle Regan's stunt double and Gina Carano. Yeah. She wouldn't, she wouldn't accept stunt double. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I believe it. You know, and I, I bet, I bet that Iron Bar when she hit it went, ah, fucking hell, man, because she's yeah. one tough lady. Also, as well, Luke Evans, brilliant. He's he's fun. Such a he's, bastard. He is a, and that's all he has to play <laughs> yeah. is a right bastard, and he does it. Yeah, he does it so. You know, it was, uh, going back to the the, the uh, fight scene with the guy from the raid and um, Ludacris to his Gibson. That was a great fight. Because, um, quick loop, because was it? It was uh, what's his name from Bullet in the Head. Oh no! Yeah, quite right. Sorry, my uh, son Kang. Yeah, uh, it was empty. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That was great because there's a great moment where they both stop and um, so Kang kind of hits him and goes, "You go," and he got Tracy gets and goes, "No, it's you go." And, it's like, and yeah. then you got he, he just looks like he isn't even breaking a sweat doing it yeah, yeah, he's just yeah. beating the hell out of them it was nice to see him in it as well actually it was nice to see someone from the raid sort of moving out you know and getting a platform from there um was very nice yeah uh, uh, yeah no absolutely um I, I mean like the the car the car stuff is fun i mean like that that moment where shaw has that flippy car thingamajig that that scene is insane just the like the amount of cars that just get flipped and crash into other cars i mean and, 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 and the thing is like the action direction and the editing is really smooth flowing yeah it's coherent you can tell what's going on i mean like justin lynn's been doing this stuff for a while now and he's gotten noticeably better mm, this, this... like I, I haven't i haven't seen tokyo drift myself but like from four to five to six there is an evolution in the action direction Tokyo Drift is good which is but there's, there's, there's too much um, quick editing and I don't think quick editing and fast shots uh, work as well with the, with the kind of stuff that he's doing I mean the action in this is it, the direction is impeccable um, yeah. there's no moment where you like you're saying where you go I couldn't come in out and um, we're going to come on to another film um that we're going to talk about in a few minutes, where you, you wouldn't be able to say the same thing. Uh, but if you were to ask people's opinion on the two directors, you'd get very different responses. Yeah. Um, you know, like you said, Smooth is the exact right way to describe this. He hasn't gone for shaky cam. Yeah. It's it's all it's a lot of like wide shots and swooping shots, but it's not fast, quick editing. A lot of shaking around and making you feel like you're part of what's going on. 
I don't always need to feel like I'm part of what's going on. Sometimes I just want to watch what's going on. Uh, and, you know, that, that works very well within this. Um, and the, 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 the down through the streets of London bit, it worked really well. Um, you know, you're going to get the obvious fucking diatribe of, oh, well, when have you ever seen London? Like, fuck off. Don't care. Don't care that London's never that quiet. It, it, it's it's escapist. It's completely like that. That yeah, that stuff's yeah, ridiculous. It, it, Who gives a fuck? If you're thinking that in your brain, why are you sat watching a film called Fast and Furious Six? You know, it, if you haven't got past that point in five movies, just don't watch this. Um, also, as well, the there was two moments in my screening that got actual claps from the audience. Always nice to hear a clap from the audience. Um, one was the ridiculous yet wonderful um, made me smile moment when uh, Vin Diesel essentially fires himself off a car to catch Michelle Rodriguez. Rodriguez, that was yeah. In there and then smashes it under the car, and not like one or two, a lot of people actually clapped at that because it was just so ridiculous yet so wonderful. It was a, it was almost a perfect moment in a film. Yeah. Um, and then the other moment, which is a perfect moment, was um, the um, Rock doing the flying arm thing as, what's his name, holds um, the big guy up. Yeah. That was brilliant. Also, the... I, mean, I, I gotta say, Vin Diesel's flying headbutt was pretty Vin great. Yeah, as well. Vin Diesel's flying headbutt was great because that looked like it hurt Vin Diesel so much more. Mm. <laughs> sure, it was just, it was, it was great. Um, the thing is with Fast and Furious Six is there's not actually that much you can talk about, really, is there? It, it is literally just like that moment, that moment, that moment, that moment. Yeah, it's. It, 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 it's a collection of action set pieces strung together by quite, you know, quite a decent story. You know, the story, the way they've woven um, the other films into it as well. Um, it, it, you know, that worked for, I think, for, for me. Um, anyway, it worked. It didn't feel, it felt a little bit like, that's very convenient. But it, it never felt too forced, as per se. It felt like they were going, right, we're going to kind of take it all in so we can fire the all six films at seven, rather than we've kind of ignored um, two and we ignored three in four and five, so we're going to try and work out how we can get those back into this by taking that bit from there and that bit from there and, and we'll use Tokyo Drift for this. Uh, and it, it, that all kind of wrapped it up quite nicely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I suppose we probably haven't got too much to talk about in terms of the, the main bit of the film. Um, the the end credits tease um, is obviously incredible. Yes. Um, but before we get on to that, that, that person, what I think is interesting is the fact that the next one, you've got it set up that it is going to be so, like Vin Diesel and his family, you're gonna family, family. Um, versus someone who's just lost a member of his family very directly because of Vin Diesel and company, mm. 
and now in a way it is going to be like well in a way who is the person you root for and i think the danger with fast seven is the fact that by casting jason statham as the antagonist frankly i'm gonna be team Stafe all the way fuck toretto and his family i'm gonna be jason statham please murder everyone in spectacular ways preferably involving vehicles well that's that's the thing is is with so far with the fast and furious movies is there's always been something they've had to do where they've had to stop somebody doing yeah. blah or they've been stopping a heist or they've been doing a heist something like that whereas you know it's fast and furious seven or fast the whatever they're gonna call it um it, 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 it's it's got now the this time it's personal kind of type yeah where yeah it's it's somebody is going to be coming after them and you know that it's how they work that is, is going to be real I, you know it's really interesting now and you know this film has has taken a colossal amount of money um and you know i don't think whereas something like it's taken not far in this country off what iron man took in its opening weekend yeah, it did. Um, it did about nine million pounds, which is a studio record yeah. for Universal. And it, it did. Did it do? It, it's done only a little bit less in the US than I am on as well. Uh, it hasn't opened. It's not opened yet. the US. Oh, yeah, right. no, it opens next week. It was Star Trek this week. Star, Star Trek. Uh, but this this movie will will make a an obscene amount of money. Um, and it's only going to make people more and more pumped for the next one which which is just you know it, which puts more i think this um puts more pressure on seven than there was on this film all this oh, yeah. film let's do is be entertaining seven's got to kind of it's got to move it up a little bit i mean what is out next summer because summer's the kind of a, a slightly in between uh, it's kind of a slightly in-between one, because obviously with uh, 2015, we've got, well, like, Star Wars, Avengers, um, etc., etc., you know, like, summer 2015 is going to be fucking ridiculous, whereas, I mean, like, I'm just having a look now at what's out next summer, because I, I maybe, Fast 7 has the potential to be, like, the biggest film of next summer. Yeah, it, 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 without, without question, it, it, uh, it does, yeah. Okay, we've got Amazing Spider-Man 2. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I, I could see Fast 7 doing better. Oh, Godzilla, I could see Fast 7 doing better. Yeah. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, I can see Fast 7 doing better. Yeah. Um, ah, okay, well, here we go. How to Train Your Dragon 2. That's a, that, I don't think, I don't, that, but that's a kid's, kid's film. film so I don't think you can tie it in. Um, X-Men Days of Future Past. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, actually might well do better. Transformers 4. Yeah, I would say Fast and the Furious has now overtaken possibly the Transformers as the dumb action movie staple now, which is great. I, I'd be fine with that. Which is great because Fast and Furious Six was ridiculously entertaining. Mm. Um, so I think we, we we can call that a wrap. Um, and um, we're not going to do um, shit. or definitely not shit. What we're going to do is uh, uh, Ian Fast and Furious Six Ride or Die. <laughs> oh, I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Uh, I'm gonna say ride. <laughs>
Ride. Ride. I'm going to say ride as well. Uh, right. Uh, before we move on to Star Trek Into Darkness while Ian gets into his family, um, I'm going to have a little bit of a rant now. <laughs> that is a, a flawless Vin Diesel. Oh, we, we did forget to mention the fact that why can't Vin Diesel and um, Dwayne Johnson look at each other when they talk to each other? Why do they have to stand slightly off centre from each other and talk past each other without looking at each other? Is it if they look at each other, there'll be some kind of magnetic, like, macho force will happen and a black hole will be created? They'll create a so, polarity that will destroy us yeah, all. Because every time they talk to each other, they were stood off centre from each other, looking mm-hmm. dead forward, not at each other and talking. Yeah, absolutely. And it was beautiful. So anyway, I, my little rant now. Um, Fast and Furious 6 is a, in the UK, is a 12A. Fast and Furious 6 is a 15 film. I don't care what fucking people say. I don't care how much makeup, fake blood they didn't put on people or how much fake blood they digitally edited out of it to get it a 12A. Fast and Furious 6 is a 15 film, right? And I am completely unmoved on that. I think this film should have been a 15. It is not a 12 at all. What, what 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 in particular, or is it just the general? The general tone of it. It is too much action, and I'm not saying that the kids can do action, but this is irresponsible action. It's irresponsible. It's yeah. ridiculous. Uh, yeah. It's stupid, and you know we should do uh, in terms of responsibility. We should accept it and say, hang on a minute, this isn't a. Now my, my problem is it's a fifteen. Be- and the reason why, if, if if the 12 was still a 12, and you had to be able to 12 to go and see it, I'd be fine with it being a 12. But it's not. It's a 12A. Now, 12A means any irresponsible dickhead, which means any knobhead who got a 17, 18-year-old girl pregnant, and he's now 21, 22, and has a 4, 5-year-old kid, and a fucking saxo with a stick-on spoiler, can come and see this, and can bring his 4, 5-year-old kid to come and see this. And there were numerous ones at my screening. This uh, movie yeah. isn't a lengthwise suitable. It's over two hours long. Isn't suitable yeah. for a five, six-year-old kid to come and see. Also, content-wise, this film is not suitable for children of that age. It is ridiculous. And the BBFC, if they can't say right, twelve A, but it has to be, you have to be at least eight. If that's too hard to police, then I don't know. Why not just have twelve? Have it as a fucking certificate like you used to and not alter it ever so slightly so films can make more money. Now, I yeah. it, that guy has got whatever right within the laws to bring his kid there. I'm not going to tell people how they should raise their kids or anything like that. But, that, it, but what we should accept the fact is that some people aren't responsible or smart enough to look after children. And it is ridiculous. This film should not have allowed a six-year-old and five-year-old, numerous ones, into its screening. It is a fucking joke, and the BBFC need to do something about it. And people can say, oh, well, it's up to the parents. I'm sorry, parents are idiots. You know, 70%, 80% of parents are great. The problem is there's that 20 30%. And it's that 20, 
that will take their kids to Fast and Furious 6. It's the same ones who will drive around in their dodgy cars with no child seat. It's the same parents who will leave their dog in a room with their child and it'll get mauled and they'll go, oh, well, it was always fine before. It's that type of idiot parent that we have to, unfortunately, protect children against. But but they... but. The irresponsible parents want to bring their kids to see Fast Six because it's about family. Yeah. <laughs> so, run over. Um, Star Trek Into Darkness. Um, we're not going to bother playing a trailer because um, most of you have probably seen it by now anyway. Uh, and it's more stuff. I've got to edit. Um, Ian, what did you think of Star Trek Into Darkness? Well, in a way, Star Trek Into Darkness is also about family. It is about family. Uh, but it's not as much about family as I would, like, I would have liked it to have been. The family feel a little bit disparate, and some of the family don't get as much focus as some of the other members of the family. And that 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 bothers me somewhat. Um, Star Trek Into Darkness, I it's it's okay. Um, it, it, it's I was not that fussed on it. I don't think it's as good as the 2009 Abrams film. Um, it relies on a mix of fan service, which I think will only annoy quite a few fans, and plotting, which I... The thing is, I, 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 I don't have a problem with the, the Fast Six's nonsensical plotting, because it knows it's nonsensical. I'm not saying the, the, the plot of Star Trek in Darkness is nonsensical, but I don't think it's nearly as clever as it, think, it thinks it is. And generally, I think that's something that you can level at Abrams's usual cadre of screen, uh, screenwriters. Mm. They're not as clever as they think they are. And Star Trek Into Darkness is a decent enough action film, even though one action sequence aside, none of them like really got my pulse racing. Um but it's it's okay. I may look kinder on it on rewatches, but as it was, I was not super fussed on Star Trek Into Darkness. It it was a three out of five for me. I know you liked it more. Yeah, I did. I did like it more. Um, I don't think it's as good as the um, 2009s, was it? Yeah, 2009s yeah, uh, Star Trek. Um, I I enjoyed it. I, I possibly enjoyed it more because um, I I've seen all the other Star Trek movies, but uh, I saw them a long time ago. Um, so they're not very fresh in my mind. I I also remember um, we are all spoilers all the time. I didn't know uh, that Benedict Cumberbatch was calm. So I got that moment. I had no idea at all. Um, so I got that moment, which I you I think you knew, didn't you? Yeah, I did know. But the thing is, he's basically Khan in name only. I mean, like his oh, yeah. his origins are the same, but he like. The, 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 he could. The thing is, they could have gotten away with most of what his character is, like eighty percent of it, without him even being called Khan. Hmm. He could have been called John Harrison. Yeah, it could have been. Yeah, I, I think what I like was yeah, I like the fact that you know you've got more character in this movie. Um, I think um, this movie has absolutely put the absolute fucking nail in the coffin for three D for me. Um, this film was in 3D. We saw it 3D IMAX. And, um, <laughs> well, you know what you know what we're seeing in July. I, I, I'm well aware. Yeah, um, but this was it, yeah, this has no reason for 3D at all. Um, no, no, and also um, for 
somebody who likes to hold themselves up so high as J.J. Abrams does, and he does have a very high opinion of himself as a filmmaker. Um, I think that is unarguable, to be honest. Um, as a director, he he obviously feels he's of a very high note. When you look at the films he's, he's made, you know, you've got Mission Impossible 3, he dived in to help save that franchise, and he's done the two Star Trek movies, and now he's taking on Star Wars. You know, he's obviously somebody who's very confident in their own ability. Um, but to make as big a mistake as to mix 3D with fast editing and shaky cam. So by the time the 3D image has hit you, it's moved on to another one and another one and another one. So it's a bit like taking one of those, a kaleidoscope, spinning it round and asking somebody to tell you what the colours are. Uh, it, it was just, it was so disorientating, that first um, opening set piece where they're running through and you've got all this colour and all these, this stuff just kind of coming at you and you're thinking, do you know what, I'm, I'm going to have some kind of fit if this doesn't slow down and stop. Um, I liked all the interaction. Um, at times the script is fucking terrible. Uh, there are certain lines where you go, what, really? Did they just say that? Um, also, uh, I'm, it's still have yet to find an answer why Alice Eve ends up in her underwear at one point. For the trailer. It, 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 there, is, there is absolutely no need for it at all. And I felt a little bit like, uh, why? Why? The, the only reason I could see is that J.J. Abrahams wanted to see her in her underwear. That's it. Because it's not long enough to make it a, a shot. Um, and there's no logical reason for it to happen. I just... I don't know why, but it bothered me. Because, like you say, it was just to have a shot of somebody in their underwear in the trailer. And it's just so base that you'd expect better from this. And I'm saying you'd expect better from a Star Trek film. Um, I understand a lot of people's problems with it. Um, is and one problem that I've had thrown at me quite a few times is um, the oh we need his blood thing. Um, I know you've had this raised to you as well, haven't you? Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Of the oh we need his blood to um, to help um, Kirk, and um, there, there is actually an answer to this. Um, of the fact is that they've tested Khan's blood. They've not tested any of the other guy's blood. So they don't know if it'll have that reaction, whereas they're sure that Khan's will. That's why they need Khan's, surely. I have more of a problem with the conveniently placed Tribble than I do with that, to be honest. There's what? Sorry? The, the conveniently placed Tribble. Oh, yeah, yeah. Also, as well, uh, pointed out by uh, Becky, as we're having a, my wife, as we're having a drink out of it, was um, that Anton Yelchin in Star Trek managed to catch... Kirk um, and Rachel falling very, very fast into an atmosphere, managed to yeah. catch them with uh, an old Nintendo joystick, yeah. um, but he couldn't get a lock on um, Spock, Khan, and Zoe Saldana when they were practically stationary. Yeah. Um, and then 
when, once they did manage to, and also as well, um, in when they go into the bit with uh, Robocop, um, they shot Khan with the stun ray once, and he goes straight down, right, and he's out. Zoe Saldana hits him what five times, and he don't go down. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's little bits like that where in my brain I was going, Lindelof, you've done it again! Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I was just getting flashbacks of going, well, this is just Prometheus all over again, isn't it? But I did enjoy Starkish Into Darkness for one reason only. It's a fucking Star Trek movie. We shouldn't be expecting, you know, high cinema. We should be expecting entertaining cinema. And I think... I think... Well, I think that's fair, but I think you should be expecting some smarter plotting, uh, some better, a uh, better sense of camaraderie, because you know the first film does try and set that up. It's like if the first film was completely going off and it was being like these are the tales of cock, uh, cock. Sorry, Kirk Spock. <laughs> oh, sorry, that that Kirk Spock. <laughs> you know. Uh, Kirk's fucking... Fucking point of years. Oh, bloody... Yeah, yeah, exactly. If it was, like, the tale of the, those two in Uhura and Scotty, then fair enough. But, like, the first one at least tries to establish Sulu and, and Chekhov and whatnot, you know. Whereas th- this one, it basically... It relegates them to uh, to to the margins. And it, instead, it's playing up this grand relationship between Kirk and Spock, which, unlike the Wrath of Khan has not had enough time to ferment. So by the time you've got the Wrath of Khan aping stuff, and if anyone says, oh, well, you can't keep on comparing it to Wrath of Khan, the film itself allows you to compare it to Wrath of Khan by the amount of fucking throwbacks, oh, yeah, it, direct throwbacks to Wrath of Khan. Including Khan! Yeah, and I actually quite like that moment just because I liked Zachary Quinto's delivery of it. I thought it was quite funny, if anything. Yeah, I thought, I um, thought Quinto was, was, was actually... I, I wasn't a fan of Quinto. I liked the first the first movie, but I wasn't a fan of Quinto in the first movie, whereas I was in this movie. Uh, yeah, I, 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 think it, I think it was good. I mean, the, the performances, I think, are fine, but it, it's just like, you haven't had enough time. So by the time you've got the two kind of doing the, the hands against the glass stuff, it just, it, 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 it really feels like, really? We're, we're just going to do this? Mm. You know, and, and I mean, it just doesn't, even without all that other stuff, it doesn't make, it doesn't make emotional sense, really. <laughs> especially, sorry, excuse me. Especially considering the fact that, you know, they have their little cat fight at the start. And then, you know, half an hour later, they're fine. I mean, that's another thing about this film, you know. It, it like Kirk has his captaincy taken away from him, and then literally, <laughs> what is it? Twenty minutes later in the film, he's got it back again. Yeah. Without even, you know, without anybody even going, well, actually, you know, you, you're only getting that back on a technicality, um, and yeah, well, maybe we should. I mean, like, he, he's he's like he's ta- he's had it taken away from him, and he's supposed to get back to Starfleet Academy. Pretty much the next scene, there might be like an interim scene with like Khan or something, but then pretty much the next scene is Kirk at the bar getting pissed and then Pike saying to him, you've got it back. Yeah, I mean, like, you're my first, you're my first mate or whatever. How'd you manage that? I talked to him and told him I believed in you. 
It was like, all right. And uh, uh, conveniently, Pike wasn't allowed in the hearing where Kirk had it taken away from him in the first place, just because apparently Pike has some amazing skills in persuading people. Like, Are you suggesting that Pike sucks some dick? Uh, maybe, yeah. Yeah, his, I, you know, I, I persuaded them is basically I sucked some... I sucked some Tyler Perry cock. Yes, I, I, I fucking Tyler Perry, man. What the fuck? It, it, ah, oh, and don't get me started on old Spock. <laughs> yeah, right. Old Spock had no right to be there at all. It's terrible. It's brutal. It's, it, I mean, it's like, Lindelof. And 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 yeah, the thing is, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about a film in a bit oh. where I'm looking at that film kinda now. And it's for se- it's it's for some things, and maybe in terms of my scoring, I overreacted first time around. We'll get to yeah. that. But with this film, I'm at a three out of five because I did enjoy the spectacle, and I really liked Cumberbatch. Like Cumberbatch is great, Cumberbatch and all the performances, brilliant. yeah, and all the performances are solid. And I may be more comfortable with the film later on. I reserve I reserve my right to say that, but. There are so many things in this film in terms of the screenplay which are infuriating that I, I three out of five is all I almost feel like I'm being too kind, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the experience of watching it. Cool. But it, it's just the screenplay. Anyway, let's so, move so, on. So shit or definitely not shit? Definitely not shit. Yep. But it's a close run thing for me at this point. Right, I'm definitely not shit on it. Um, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Um, I, I might go the other way on it. I might not enjoy it as much going yeah. on a second view as I enjoyed it. Um, so I reserve my right to when it comes out on Blu-ray go, that was awful. What the hell was I thinking? Was I high? Yeah. Um, so uh, we're going to play a few promos from other podcasts that we um, like. And then we're going to uh, get into one old and one new. Buongiorno. Let me ask you a question. What are you doing on Saturday, June 1st, 2013? Not sure? Well, how do you fancy making it a day of violence, car chases, corruption, drugs and vengeance? For one night only, Blazing Magnum Screenings presents A Day of Crime, an exclusive screening of Mike Malloy's incredible documentary, Euro Crime, the Italian cop and gangster films that ruled the 70s, as well as two of the genre's most essential movies. This man has $6 million worth of heroin. It belongs to the mob, and all it will cost him is his life. See Mario Adolf chased down by mob hitman Henry Silver and Woody Strode in Fernando de Leo's 1972 classic, The Italian Connection. You know what we need to beat it? A special squad with the authorized backing of the law that can fight these bastards with freedom in their own backyard. And watch as Maurizio Merli turns his back on the law to take down a brutal machine gun toting psychopath in 1976's Umberto Lenzi thriller, Rome Armed to the Teeth. I want it to be conspicuous, sensational. So join us at our 70 seat of bespoke cinema in Moston, Manchester for three great movies in a day of crime on Saturday, June 1st. The Italian Connection, Euro Crime, and Rome Armed to the Teeth. The doors open at 2.30pm and the show starts at 3, with trailers, shorts and soundtracks throughout the day. And there's a fully licensed bar and hot food, so your appetite for refreshment need never interrupt your appetite for violence. 
Tickets are available now for just £8 from wegottickets.com. And for more info, search A Day of Crime on Facebook. Maybe we'll see you there. And if we don't, maybe we'll have one of our friends pay you a visit. Miss it. You'll get a little round hole right between your eyes. It was a childhood corrupted by endless hours of VHS rentals. We're sick to manage it. You'd love it. In his most formative years, he had seen it all. I can handle anything. Action. <laughs> Karate is not to be used aggressively. But if I have no other choice. Horror. <laughs> And romance. Now he's decided it's time to go back for just one more adventure. Humans are such easy prey. Noel Miller presents. You're the problem, you little shit. The Adventures in VHS podcast. Join me, Noel Mellor, as each month I take an in-depth look at one movie from my collection of ex-rental 80s VHS classics and speak to one or two of the people involved with making them about what the format means to them. The Adventures in VHS Podcast. Thank you. Have a nice day. Download today from iTunes by searching for Adventures in VHS or visit adventuresinvhs.com. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant, blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and hard cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. Just really it's isn't. not visually striking. No. I'm just, just getting confirmation. It's just in That's the third time, though. I mean, I must, is this on? You can find us at chinstrokerversuspenter.podomatic.com. So come and share the victory. If you could fuck any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. He, he wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody. <laughs> he looks like somebody who can keep a secret. So, Ian, then, uh, do you want to give us your one old or one new? Yeah, all right, let's do this. Oh, yes. um, so what? Well, I know what you're going to do. I know what you're going to do. Uh, you're going to open up this debate again, aren't you? My one old. You motherfucker. Um, I've watched this film four times in less than a year, um, which I because I really want to like it. Stop convincing yourself to like it. I kind of like Prometheus. Um, right. I've seen it three times beforehand, and I gave it two stars each time. Um, but... I'm at a point with Prometheus now where everything about Prometheus is great. Apart from the screenplay, which is an insult. What about the plot? That's part of the screenplay. Are you including plot in screenplay, not just dialogue? Cool. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. Quite right. Um. But I like right. This is a film which made a lot of money, 
had a lot of money put into it, and you, every single penny of that is on screen. That seeks to at least, even if it drops the ball more often than it doesn't, seeks to actually have some big themes and big ideas in it. And I think it's more based on what Hollywood cinema, what mainstream multiplex cinema even, is now. That, like, compared to things of today, I can appreciate Prometheus for even attempting that kind of stuff. Also, I think technically the film is virtually flawless. Um, The look of it, the mix of actual location stuff and massive sets and very good CG is wonderful. I think the score is solid. And after listening to some other podcasts and reading some other stuff about it, there are certain aspects of some of the characters and their motivations that I'm more comfortable with. I am now okay with Mr. I Like Rocks and Wraith Spool. Why? I, why? Yeah, give me the reasons. Okay. I, I know the reasons for why, um, because I'm still a little bit... Why does um, Wraith Spool um, go up to that weird fucking alien snaky thing? Why does he go all up to it like, oh, hello, little guy, and everything like that, when he knows that he should be a little bit more scared of it? when he's been running around scared of everything for the past, what, in the film's timeline, a couple of hours. He says in the film, oh, it's startled, or something like that. Like, it's something... It's like, he was scared because he couldn't see things, the things, and now it's there, and it's something he feels like he can get a handle on. Like, well, quite literally. And that... The thing is... The film itself doesn't do a good enough a job in explaining that. And that's down to the screenplay. I mean, it's also why Mr. I Like Rocks, like previously, I had a problem with him because he's a hard nut and then suddenly he's terrified. And basically, I think it's because at the start of the film, he's trying to present, he's basically trying to present an image of himself as as this. He's expecting one thing. He doesn't know what he's going there for. It, like, nobody knows what they're going there for. They, they've just been paid a shitload of money. to go, like basically, They are basically mercenaries, but they're blue-collar mercenaries. No, white-collar mercenaries, as opposed to, like, the blue-collar crew of Alien. And so when these things happen, I think, like, facades do kind of fall off. And so I'm okay with that. I'm also, I also think David is a very interesting character. I mean, he, he always was an interesting character. I think he was the most interesting thing about it, to be honest. Yeah, like the layers to David, I think, are very interesting. I also think that, sure, her, her struggle and her journey, I actually think is quite interesting. And I like the sequel set up at the end where, you know, it's like, all right, these people made us, why the fuck are they wanting to destroy us? Even though I understand, like, the fact that, oh, all right, so we're going to have to wait for the sequel is annoying. You know, the fact they're setting this stuff up, just, like, wait for two years' time, and, like, by the sounds of it, there probably isn't going to be a Prometheus 2. 
I, I'm okay with her. Um, her boyfriend character, I'm I'm okay with him because he he plays it as just a dickhead. He's written as a dickhead, and then he gets killed off pretty fucking horribly. That's okay. I'm just there. Believe me, believe me. There are moments in Prometheus that are baffling in how poorly done they are. Baffling. Like the man-only Medipod. Mm. You know, I mean, in the end of the day as well, why did that have to be man-only? An emergency Caesarean would have looked pretty fucking gnarly as well. Also, as well, is um, I think Donna raised this, um, actually. Um, Remove foreign object from body. Well... If that thing is a guy, couldn't that have been her uterus? Yeah. Um, also, another problem I still have with it is um, the actual alien we see at the end. That's the the first incarnation of that alien. Bollocks. It is bollocks. there's a picture of it in the big room. Yeah. So, what the fuck? Also, new rate face. Um, she has that thing cut out of her. She's stumbling around. Then she's jumping around in a space suit. Then she's grabbing her stomach again. Then she's jumping around in a space suit. Then she's able to carry a big head and a lot of wires. And it just... That, that's not script problems. That's acting and directing problems. You know, Ridley Scott should, at some point, during the last sort of third of that movie, gone, oh, Naomi, can you just remember that you've just had something cut out of you and you've got staples across your stomach? Yeah, shit, yeah, I, I'll, I'll remember that, I'll remember that, Red. Okay. Right, now run into that! But I, I just do it! Yeah. It's a little bit like that. Also, as I, well, you've seen the um, deleted scenes, haven't you? On the, yeah. So, right, yeah. that, all those deleted scenes, to me, proved that they were making it up as they went along. Because, there was, because I can't remember exact points, but I remember watching those and going, so, hang on a minute, this one scene here could have played out three ways and it's in the middle of the film and it would have changed the rest of the film or would the rest of the film been the same because there were quite there was quite big bits that they did I just I, 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 I've only seen it three times so I've not seen it the fourth time yet fourth time might be a charm but for me the issues that I originally had with Prometheus got worse with my second and third watch and I would still really like to like this film but it is just and also as well the fact that i don't i don't give a shit what people say this film was billed as a prequel to alien not anything else this film was billed as a prequel to alien ridley scott might have changed his mind halfway through he might have changed what he was saying halfway through but all everything was this is your introduction to the alien universe and then it kind of goes, oh, but we're going to do this instead. We're going, to, we're going to take it this way. It's not quite a prequel here. It's set within the same world, and a lot of exactly the same things happen that happen in Alien, but it's different. Oh, and why can't Charlize Theron run any other way but forward? I, yeah, that's, yes. Sorry, there is there's no possible explanation for explaining your way out of a been able to take four steps left or four steps right and surviving. I just, I to be honest with you, in all honesty, yes. 
But if I was put in that situation, I might just think, run forward so I'm not allowing it to catch up with me. You would by... think, jump left or jump right, and it won't. Like, mate, in that situation, I know, I agree, but all I'm saying, I, I agree, it is dumb. But in that situation, that is a... I don't know what I would do. That's very, that, that's very close to Wizards did it, dude. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm holding my hands up. In fact, I will tell you what, I've just edited my letterbox score to a 3 out of 5 as opposed to a 3.5. Good. I, 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 right, again, like I say, we, we watched this film together our first time and we've spent an inordinate amount of time talking about Prometheus. Probably more time than any other single one film it, it, we've yeah. ever talked to about each other to, to about together, yes. Yeah, easily. Um, I, I, like I say, I watched it, didn't like it. I think I, think I liked it a little bit more than you. Um, and oh, the, I was fucking stunned. Um, and then I watched it at home and I fucking hated it. I then watched the deleted scenes and it made me hate it more. Um, and then I watched it again about at the start of this year. I watched it again and thought, do you know what? I'm going to give it another go and I'm going to ignore all of those bits. I'm not going to get bogged down by them. And all the way through it, I was going, sorry, but that's just fucking stupid. That's stupid. That's stupid. That's stupid. You're stupid. That's stupid. The most stupid thing about this is, is that I'm watching it again. I'm the most stupid part of it. And I'll give it a fourth go, because a fourth time might be a charm. All I'm saying is, I am more comfortable with Prometheus than I have been. Uh, that, that, that's, that's it. I'm at a point now where I'm right, right, that's, that's done. I've watched it four times. It still looks, it still looks very pretty. It, it, it does, it just, I, I, free, the thing is, I'd say three out of five is fine, just based on the fact that it's got the ideas and the fact that technically it's a fucking marvel. If two stars out of five are taken away, basically for me, solely because of the, the screenplay, which includes the, like, the aspects of the story, so be it. I can, I, I, I can agree with that. My original, what is it, was, um was a, a six out of ten so that's a you know what's that two and a half to three out of five it's a three out of five yeah it's what i'm at now yeah. so i can say that yeah right uh I, I i mean i will say i'm more comfortable with avatar now as well avatar for me now i think is a three out of five yeah avatar I, 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 avatar for I, me is still I, a 1.5 it's a dull as shit and retarded movie but, yeah, but I mean, that's the thing. There are an awful lot of bad aspects about Avatar as well. But for me, I like a lot of the action and it looks great. You know, so it, it's, that's the thing. Like, on a purely, like, bloody hell, that looks really pretty kind of way, I, I, I'm fine with Avatar and Prometheus getting a mild recommendation. Because a three out of five is a mild recommendation. For me. For you, yeah. See, 6 out of 10 is an alright score for me. Anything below 5, that's when you're starting to get shit for me. I still count 6 out of 10 as a decent score, and this would be a 6 out of 10 uh, for me. Avatar would be a 4. Yeah, sure. That, that'll push. 3, maybe. Um, but, I, I, yeah, I'm not even getting on that. Um, so, that was uh, your one old. Uh, I've recorded my one new... Um, 
And my one new is uh, Jonathan Levine's Warm Bodies, uh, which okay. I missed at the uh, theatre uh, and caught on um, Blu-ray. Um, I really liked um, Levine's previous films, uh, All the Boys of Mandy Lane, really liked it. Uh, the Wackness, I enjoyed. And 50-50, I thought, uh, was, was brilliant. Um, so I was, was looking forward to Warm Bodies, thought it looked you know, quite sort of quirky and quite interesting. Um, like Nicholas Holt, he seems like a, you know he's quite a quite a good actor. You know he he, he seems to or he seemed to be um, on the right track. Um, I'm also quite a fan of Rob Corddry, uh, Dave Franco, so it was all for it. Um, but it's just so meh uh, as a film. It's I didn't laugh really once. I might have chuckled a few times. Um, I didn't get its point at all. Have you seen it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it just didn't really explain the zombie apocalypse. I get it, it's a zombie apocalypse, but it just all felt a little bit like, like they started making it and they had like two months to make it. And then a producer came in and went, oh, this set's needed. When? In like three weeks. And they went, shit. Uh, right, just go. Um, yeah, that's fine. That scene's done. Uh, da, da. Yeah, that, that's fine. That scene's done. That scene's okay. Uh, but I still haven't worked out how to transfer this bit from the novel into the film. What have you got? Uh, I've got this. Fine, yeah, it'll do. It'll be all right. We'll sort it out in the marketing. As long as we market this film fine, we'll market like a comedy version of Twilight, it'll be fine. And it just, at every point I was thinking, I don't get what the point is. At no point is it fun enough to, for it to be warrant its existence. And at no point is it bad enough for me to dislike it. It was just, I, I have already, I watched it two days ago, and I've already completely forgotten about it. And I'm only talking about it because it's the only other new film that I've watched since we last recorded. Wow. Uh, right. Because I've just had so much on uh, that I've not watched a lot of new films. Oh, no, sorry. Um, I did watch All Ladies um, Do It, but I didn't really want to talk about a Tanita Brass film um, on the podcast, uh, which I'm watching for review, uh, not just to masturbate because sure. there's nothing there. Um, all that, however, what I will say is All Ladies Do It was actually quite fun. Um, a lot more fun than Warm Bodies. Um, but if you want to read about that, you can read my review on to watch Fight Should be the next couple of days. Uh, plug. Um, what was your thoughts on Warm Bodies? Because I, 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 need, I need somebody to tell me if they enjoyed a bit of it. Yeah, I enjoyed it fine. Um, I, I, I actually remember quite liking it. The thing is, like you say... It's actually hard to remember anything about it. It, it. it is, isn't it? And the ending, it kind of didn't make sense. What? what? So, they they got cured of zombieism uh, by just spending a bit of time with people. Essentially, it's yes. It's a bit like, oh, fuck off. Really? So, if we're all just kinder to each other, we'll, you know, we'll get through this. If we just approach with some under... Fuck off! Fuck off! Right? Don't. Years of great zombie films are not solved by playing 
fucking ultimate frisbee. I'm sorry, I do not believe hugs and ultimate frisbee are going to cure zombieism. It's just bullshit. And John Malkovich, he's just, that is that it from him now. He's going to play that character. Yeah, um, Malkovich is, all right, how much are you going to pay me? How many weeks have I got to do? Yeah, all right, I'll be there Monday. Yeah, I'll turn up and I'll, I'm, I might say the lines, but I might not. Mm. Mm. I might not. Um, and also, again, um, uh, Theresa Palmer, um, I just didn't like her as a character. She just mm. seemed a little bit like a spoilt rich kid. And um, Franco died too early. Uh, yes. Also, as well, when he leaves there, uh, Nicholas Holt, when he leaves the bit where he's just killed Franco, right, he leaves in a rush, he doesn't pick up a handful of brains, yet for the rest of the film he keeps on snacking on brains. I get the feeling this might be quite an interesting book to people who like that kind of bits, but the film was just so meh. It was meh. I have nothing to add, yeah. mate. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, Warm Bodies, if you want to watch a film that you will, that the minute you stop it and you go, the person next to you says, oh, what do you think about that? And you go, At what? Oh, do we watch something? Oh, all right. What do we watch? Warm Bodies. All right, it was all right. People who say it's all right are saying it was all right because they can't remember what happened. Because nothing happened. What was your one new... Um, I want all the fucking Perla. Uh, bloody hell. Um, my my one old um is one hopefully you'll be able to calm down with a little bit. Uh, my 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 one new sorry. Uh, my one new is planes, trains, and automobiles. I adore this movie. Yeah. Um. So the first time watched last week, it was on film four in HD, and I recorded it and um leisurely. Sunday night film while Donna went to bed and I thought, fuck it, I'll stick this on. And, uh, yeah, it's good. Um, I don't, to be honest, I don't have much to say on it. I think even though it's my pick, you'll, pardon me, you'll probably talk about it more, to be honest. But, um, uh, I, I, I love the relationship between Steve Martin and John Candy, the uptight guy versus the laid back guy, uh, except the laid back guy's got some like melancholic kind of shit of his own going on, which I, I, I really enjoyed that. I liked that it wasn't just like, he's brash for the sake of being brash. It was actually like he just wanted company. Mm. You know, I, I, I think that's a lovely, simple little idea. And, and the end with uh, uh, every time you go away playing was, uh, you know, it was it, 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 it know, hit the mark it was supposed to. Did you know um, before you watched it that he's, remember we asked spoilers all the time, did you know his wife was dead? No. Didn't. So I, I, I thought she'd left him. Did, did, but I, when that came out, did did a part of your heart crack? Yeah, I I was a little yeah. It it, it is it is a bit heartbreaking. Yes, just like I I it's just I already just knew I already knew that he wasn't with his wife mm. anymore. But the fact that she was actually dead, yeah, it, it, yeah, absolutely. Mm. I mean, I I absolutely adore playing strange and automobiles. It was one of those movies where I I watched it as a kid. Um, and I, I, I enjoyed it and everything. Um, and then years later, um, I was in HMV and I saw it on DVD for three pounds and thought, oh, I'll play in automobiles. It's a fun movie. I got it. Um, and I sat down 
to watch it again one night when um, Becky was out. And I, I, I remembered watching it and I remembered enjoying it, but I'd completely forgotten about the ending. And I was in, I was fucking, I was broken. I was in absolute bits at that reveal. And it, uh, I've seen it, I watch it a couple of times a year, and it still, still gets me. The bits where you can see Steve Martin reminiscing and remembering, and as he's remembering, you can see him thinking, hang on a minute. And you can see him processing the way that he's said, ah, oh, I haven't been home for years, um, and I can't even remember what my wife looks like anymore, and all these things. And you can see him piecing it all together. Yeah. And yeah. then I'm, I'm starting to get a bit fucking flustered here. Um, then when he goes back and you see John Candy just sat there and he just turns around and looks at him. And it's just, and then he starts explaining that you know, you know, she's been dead for for years, and you get the feeling that now all this guy, all the, the it's the entire rest of the film, just makes sense. The fact that this guy is just so desperate for company, um, he doesn't have a home. He just bounces around from you know from motel to motel, and the people he meets, he might meet them, and he might meet them for a couple of hours. But in Steve Martin's character, here's somebody who, you know, he, in his mind, you know, I'm going to spend a, a day with this person. Not just a couple of hours, not just a meal, not just they happen to sit next to me at the bar or I happen to be on the same plane as them. I'm going to spend a day with a person. And it's, yeah. it, 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 it's all of that. And the fact that all of that is building up to this bit at the end that, and it doesn't give away too much for that moment. But all of that is still really entertaining. It, it's great kind of comrade. It, 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 it's almost slapstick and it's almost gross, but it still plays so well. And the fact that um, you've got Steve Martin, who is wonderful at playing that shitheel. You know, he, he's very good at playing that, but still being likeable with it. And you've got John Candy, who... He's very good at the sort of the quick put downs, and he's he's got such a range within his face. Of, he's got a very funny, or he had a very funny face, mm. and could do that. And you've got that rarity uh, in the fact that they're both very good comedic actors, but they're also both very good actors. Um, and it comes with being very kind of smart guys, and the fact that neither of them were cut out off their faces during this. Um, I just I absolutely adore this movie. Yeah, and I, I mean, it's um, it, it's, it, it, I mean, it, it's got some interesting kind of um, stylistic touches from John Hughes as well. Like there's um, the sequence where they're uh, uh, they're, they're, they're running, uh, they're driving down the the, 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 the wrong side of the road, mm. and, and like the uh, the kind of the, the, the kind of flashing, or maybe it's just after that where. Steve Martin's like looking at him, uh, and he just turns into the devil. Yeah. And it, it's got like the skull, like then the it flashes and the skull comes up on the screen, and then you know, the trucks coming towards him and that kind of stuff. Like that, that that stuff is it, it is kind of funny, but it's also a bit like oh fucking hell, you know? Like it it, it kind of gets you there as well. I um yeah, it, it, it's I, I think everything you you say is absolutely true, but I mean I think it's got 
a, a like a bit more kind of visually going on at, at moments as well. Not all the way through, but certainly at moments. And I, and, and I appreciated that. I, yeah, I mean, I, I I had fun with it. I think it's a solid four out of five film. I I got a great deal of enjoyment out of it. Though, I mean, it, it's maybe not a film I'm going to watch again and again and again and again. Mm. Yeah, I, I I most most certainly will. I'm actually contemplating even watching it tonight. To be honest. Uh, after we've talked about it, so um, we, uh, my one old, do it right. Uh, my one old uh, actually started out as a conversation on uh, on Twitter uh, with um, a couple of people with Glenn C. T. Chapman and Steve Derrickson, um, and we were talking about Kevin Costner uh, and how Man of Steel. It's going to be great having Costner back, uh, which it is. Cause I I am a huge Costner fan. And I think you know he he needs to be in more good stuff. Um, you know he's cropped up in the odd bit every now and again over the past sort of fifteen twenty years, but has never really he's not really done much since um, the turn of the millennium. Really, uh, you know you've got some standouts. You know when he has done stuff, it has tended to be quite good. Uh, you know Three Thousand Miles to Graceland is a, is a, an entertaining movie. Open Range is a great modern western movie. Uh, I even did mind uh, the film Rumor Has It. Um, uh, the Guardian's a piece of shit, um, and you know there's been a few, few crap ones. But you know we need to get back to that thing where he was he was churning out you know a lot of very good films. You know when you had this time where he was doing the JFK, Perfect World, White Earth, and films like that. Uh, and I we end up talking about uh, the film The Postman. Um, and how we worked out that we were probably the three only people in the world who actually enjoyed The Postman. So I decided to watch The Postman again to see if uh, it was one of those films where I just remember liking it and then I actually watch it and go, oh no, this is actually a piece of shit. Um, so I, I watched The Postman again and um, I still really like it. Nice. Um, have you ever seen it? No, I haven't. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued. It's nearly three hours long, right? In fact, it, 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 it is three hours long, for argument's sake. Yeah. It's, it's like five minutes off it. Um, it's like a very serious version of Mad Max. Um, but you've got all these other kind of sort of themes sort of woven into it. And I won't talk too much about sort of what goes on because you haven't seen it. And I'd like to actually get your opinion on it because... Okay. It, it's like this sprawling epic, but it it deals in kind of um, fascism and um, you know the, the need to kind of to be part of something and all these other kind of bits, but it, it does them in such a um, yearning and very earnest way at points. But then you've got Will Patton. Essentially, you've got um, Kevin Costner uh, plays um, a guy who becomes the postman, and he it's actually set in 2013. Um, and there's been a nuclear war. His site is completely collapsed, um, and Costner is basically just wandering around um, the uh, flatlands of Oregon. Um, looking for food and water, and he's got a horse thing called Bill. Um, he goes to sort of towns and sort of drifts into towns and does a Shakespeare, mini Shakespeare production 
um, with just him and Bill. And after doing that for sort of like the townspeople and the kids and stuff like that, he then asks for food, uh, and then he food and water, and then he, he moves on. And he, you get the feeling that he kind of he does this and bounces around. There's a rule that he doesn't want to be in a group because if he's in a group, then you know that's where bad things start to happen. Um, and then you've got up, up pops um, Will Patton, um, who is assembling this army that he's got where he's essentially like a fascist leader of this army. And they go around to the towns, make the towns, give them half their food, and they take their best men and put them to work in their army. Um, and it's all for the, the the good of the you know the people. And it's the way they're going to rebuild America. Uh, and he's called General Bethlehem. At the start, he ends up catching... Kevin Costner, and then things kind of move from there. Um, but it's it, it's one of those films where you, when you're watching it, you've got to forgive it for stuff, um, and you find yourself forgiving it a lot more and more and more because you've bought into it. You, if you don't buy into it, you, you'll you'll fucking hate it. But if you buy into it and you go along with it, it it's it's quite an entertaining movie. Yeah. Um, so it, it's one of those films where it gets a lot of a lot of bad rap. I mean, it cost eighty million dollars and made around twenty. That's fucking brutal. Yeah. Um, and I I think part of that is because it came out two years after Waterworld, and it was the fun thing was was to knock Costner. Sure. Um, it's nowhere near as bad as people will tell you it is, but it's. It's one of those where you'll either get it and it'll get you, or it won't. I really hope it does. And also, Tom Petty appears in it as Tom Petty. What, really? Yes. And well, actually, in it, uh, in, in, it, it, in it. He's in it as a character, and he's Tom Petty. Wow. And it, it, it works. It works so well. Oh, and you've got a, a crazy Giovanni Ribisi character. Oh, sweet. Okay. I, I, I've never seen Waterworld or The Postman. I kind of like... I Waterworld's on Netflix UK, and there's so many times I've been tempted to stick it on. You know what? And then I've just watched something else instead. Nowhere near as bad as people will tell you it is. Yeah, no, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it's, it. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not great. But it it's no, it's not as bad as people fucking say. It's not the absolute abomination uh, that people would like you to believe uh, it is um, the problem with that is is it is very long and it feels very long whereas The Postman is very long but the first hour and sort of 20 minutes The Postman flies by gets a little bit bogged down in the middle but the first hour and 20 minutes is just it fucking just goes so that was the postman, um, and well, we're going to get into our, the first of our um, double demi uh, marathon. Well, can, I, can I just say before we do that as well? Um, uh, Great Gatsby, we're reviewing it on Heroes this week. I watched that. Um, did you see? I've not seen. It. I'm going to see it tomorrow night. Okay, okay. Well, I won't say anything for now. And um, the guilt trip, uh, which wasn't nearly Have as bad as it? I thought it might have been. Have you watched it? Sorry, guilt trip. Yeah. All oh, right. Yeah. Uh, what did you think? Uh, I thought I the thought gap. it was fine. Sorry, Sorry the gap. 
the gap. Yep. I, 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 I think every time you mention the guilt trip, you've got to say the gap. Oh, because of the product placement for the gap. It's fucking, it is bad. She very much likes going to the gap, does Barbara Streisand. The gap. But it is a film about the gap. And I, I like films about blood. Yeah, it, I, so I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was all right. I, I, I thought it was fine. Um, Barbara Streisand eating a massive steak and Seth Rogen <laughs> looking on in kind of perplexed joy was, um, yeah, it, it's fine. It's 95 minutes I, long. It, it's got a couple of chuckles. Yeah, um, the, the, the great, um, where he breaks down a little bit at the end and does the presentation. And yeah, yeah, yeah. um, none of you are listening to me anymore at all. Uh, yeah. That one over there is sending the longest email anyone's ever sent. And it, when he, it, I think that film is a terrible film, a terrible script, made palpable by uh, two quite likable leads. Mm. But yeah, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed it, to be honest. Yeah, I, 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 I think it's... Fine, but I, I, it's just I know I know you mentioned you watched it on Twitter, so I just wanted to kind of check in on that. But yeah, yep. Uh, right. Um, so the first in our um, double demi is a Jonathan Demi film. It's his debut movie. Uh, it comes from uh, the um, Corman canon as well. Uh, and here's a little clip from it. This movie is Caged Heath. Prison as a place of punishment. Caged Heat. Enter the female jungle of women's prison, USA. A seething hell of steel and stone where bodies behind bars ache with hunger for a man. Any man. Where caged passions ignite in carnal confinement and explode into violence. We have a violent sorority here. With very strong ways of dealing with it. You're in a house of desperate women here. And a long, long way from home. You can't do this to me! Caged heat. It must explode. About to get it, Satan. Oh. Oh, unless your pretty little teeth so fired on your throat, you're gonna get a picket fence around your asshole. I'm pretty good at this. Behind walls of concrete design. You! Okay, back around. Get up! Hold on! Damn it, I told you I'm going to go back in there! I said hold it! Getting in was easy. Getting out was murder. My name's Crazy, honey. What's yours? Bernice. Two choices, Bernice. Do what we say starting now or say goodbye to the world. I'll take the first. Raised by carnal confinement, ripped by prison pigs, torn by penal passions. Women without men in the cruelest bondage of all. If you could get in, they'd let you do anything. <laughs> 
Caged heat. Rated. That was a little clip from uh, Caged Heat, a 1974 uh, women in prison movie um, starring some people. Um, it's set in a women's prison, mostly in the showers, um, I did notice. Um, and the whole idea is you've got uh, a woman, um, Jacqueline Wilson, uh, is sentenced to uh, 10, no less than 10, no more than four. The author of the Tracy Beaker books is sent to prison. Yes, she is, uh, which she, which would have saved us a lot, let's be honest. Um, for drug trafficking um, and then some stuff kind of happened. A lot of shouts. General sassiness. Um, and um, there are virtually no unattractive women in this prison. Um uh, Ian, what did you think to Caged Heat? Um, I thought it was fine, to be honest. Um, I had a decent enough what, uh, time watching it for an hour and 20 minutes or so. Um, it, you know, like pretty much all of like the Corman-produced stuff, um, it, 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 it's directors sort of finding their voice and being allowed to do a little bit of what they want to do, but with an awful lot of kind of exploitation stuff in it as well. Um, kind of reminded me in that way of Boxcar Bertha. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, it just the way that it's got some style to it and you can tell that there is a filmmaker behind it, but the stuff in it is just sleazy as fucking, you know, it just, I, it did, but the thing is, it didn't particularly make me feel dirty. I just thought it was quite enjoyable, really. Um, the it gets into it very quickly. It's like within the first two minutes, she's in the prison, mm. and um, it, it it's a weird kind kind of like just women experiencing prison kind of thing. I mean, it's almost kind of documentary style. Like there's the one scene where they're putting on that show. Yeah. And it, it almost feels like that was just shot in a real women's prison. It was just some real women prisoners doing that stuff, you know, and it's just there for five minutes for no real reason whatsoever. But I thought it kind of fleshed it out well. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I liked it, but we'll get into it. I was just kind of monologuing there. Uh, Mark, go ahead. Um, I Yeah, I didn't actually have that much of an issue with it. I think when you go into these, um, especially like the common um, prison movies, you kind of know what you're expecting, you know. You know there's going to be a lot of scantily clad women. Um, and I never want to complain about scantily clad women. Um, but this did seem to have... It, it, it seemed to have a point at points. But then what it would do while it's trying to make that point or explore that point, it had then cut back to a shower scene. And it was like... It was like Coleman had sat down and Jonathan Demi and said, Right we're doing a women's prison movie, but I want it to have a bit more sort of backbone, a bit more to it than just a women in prison movie. Um, and so Demi's gone back with this and they've been sat there going, right, and this can happen, this can happen, this can happen, this can happen. Right. Just all gold, all brilliant, but remember the way we make movies, we need to have this, this, and this, and this. We can't let people have too much of this bit that you want to let people have a lot of. Um, you know, we'll leave that to other movies, and you can, you can make that movie because you're making this movie. You know, you can do three or four of these for me, then you can go off and do something else. 
but while you know while you're doing this, you know, let's make sure there's shower scenes. Let's make sure there's a girl with a gun. Let's make sure that there's all these bits. But Jonathan Dibby, he, he, he seems to be able to work around it quite well, um, and there is tension within it. Um, you, you don't drift off too much in it, and that's yeah. a lot of the time with exploitation movies is. The thing is, there are, there were so many exploitation films made. You know, the sheer volume of these getting made uh, was was colossal, and the fact remains, uh, as with a lot of like grindhouse movies and stuff like that, is the majority of them are are shit. Uh, yeah. It's just every so often, you know, you got a great one. You know, with every, for every Foxy Brown uh, black exploitation movies. There are four terrible attempts at being Foxy Brown, um, and for you know, Casey is one of the better women in prison movies of that era. Um, I guarantee there's probably another six that came out, probably from Coleman, that were so much more misogynistic than this, yeah. and were so much more uh, uh, look at a woman and bess, uh, uh, and a bit like that. Whereas this, this wasn't, you know. At least, it doesn't have the leery no, feel. It doesn't. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. Um, the, the, the reason for them being uh, in the showers a lot is one of the girls has worked out a way to get into the venting systems and get to uh, the kitchens so she can take food to the girls that are in solitary. Um, and she does that by going through the vents while she's supposed to be showering. Counting, counting down and, and as well. And she counts down. And it does build up that. some good tension with that. Because at first, I just thought she was crazy. And then it, it hit me, oh, no, wait, she's counting down. Of course she is. And, it, you know, that that scene where, you know, you, where you think, shit, the caught that is quite tense. Um, yeah. And, yeah, you know, always the same thing with call movies. The performances are not great. But... You know, there is a there is some kind of weight to these characters. They do have actual personalities. Yeah. Um, you know the the fact that you do start getting behind the fact that they keep breaking out. Um, I mean the first breakout is terrible. The first breakout attempt where it's just let's run with a gun and I'll shoot all the bullets at this door to get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, I, it, you're right. It doesn't feel leery. Um, which I was surprised at. And I mean, even like that scene early on where she's kind of imagining that guy like like coming into the prison and, and, and like getting her off, basically. Like, I like the way it's shot where it's like the light streaming in. Yeah. Like with the doors open and like he kind of comes in emerging as like kind of like a, a an ethereal figure coming in. It's like, like things like that have a kind of a, a dreamy, otherworldly kind kind of feel to them that I I I, I w- was really interesting. And I mean, I, okay, it gets I mean, because even the leery material in it, like um, the doctor who's wanting to basically like Lobotomize. kind of literally skull fuck that girl. Yeah, you know, but it, it, it's like it's never just like him like like feeling her up and salivating and like. Ugh. Kind of, yeah, like, kind of which, thing. You'd imagine a, a lot of people, a lot of directors would do. Yeah, he, he's a little bit, he's more creepy. Yeah. Um, than 
than he could have been. The fact that he does, you know, the fact that made him that he's quite young. Um, the fact that he's also a pipe for some reason bothers me. Um, and yeah, he 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 seems quite sadistic, and they all know he's sadistic, but nobody else seems to see it. And he's quite nice and calm, and you only kind of see the actual true sadistic side of him when somebody else is witnessing it. You know, that's the first time you see it is when somebody else is seeing it. So it's like. There's no evidence that he's sadistic before. Um, you know, you've you've got to see it from one of the girls seeing it to actually truly see the the kind of the hideousness of this character. Mm. Uh, that worked quite well. But yeah, the the whole whenever there's a dream sequence, it it comes from like a light bit because it happens a little bit further on it where Jack um, Jack and Wilson have um, the same sort of thing, doesn't she? And it's the light yeah. comes out the doors again. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. It, it's um, sorry, I'm a bit distracted because I really need a piss. Well, I, I would say we're pretty much at the end of caged heat. So, <laughs> okay, so fair we can probably call it your in break, and then we'll do uh, we'll do questions. But yeah, caged heat, uh, our first Jemmy film. Um, yeah, definitely not shit. Um, I wouldn't go rushing out to watch it, but if you like your exploitation films and you like your women in prison movies, uh, this is a, a goodie. But if you like that specific a genre i'm sure you've probably already seen it so uh, uh, mate i'm sorry but i just looked up ted demi's first film yeah how are we not doing ted demi's first film i, 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 we, I might have got the wrong film we have a hip-hop whodunit oh is it that one i thought it was a different one was his first one he's done apparently according to imdb he's done a couple of shorts what the fuck Who's, Who's the, the man? man? Yeah, I, I, I thought he'd done one before that, but no, he hasn't, has he? Yes. Oh, mate, we're fucking doing Who's the Man? Because what I was, what I was going to do is try and get us to do that first, because I thought that was his second film. But no, yeah, yes. Dr. Dre plays a character called Dr. Dre. Yeah. Have you, have, 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 I, I take it you haven't seen this. Oh, God, no. I am very excited. Uh, I, I, I've seen Who's the Man. Uh, the quote on IMDb: "You fucked me, you fucked me. You might as well kiss me, cause you're fucking me." Yep. It's uh, honestly, it, it it it's a sight to see, and that is what we'll be covering next week. I am very excited. <laughs> right, go for a pee, and then we'll do questions. Sweet Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh, who's the man? Who's the man? Who's the man? Ready when you are. Oh, I'm pumped. Yeah, it, it's a good one. Right. Um, questions. Just get into them. Uh, not got many, but but hey, huh? Glenn T. Chapman uh, on Twitter. Glenn Chapman um, in regular life, we think. Uh, if you could see one actor lose it and adopt the personality of their characters in real life, who would it be? Oh, Christ. Um, Nick Cage. Uh, I was going to say Nick Cage in one. No, say it after three. One, two, one, three. Two, Vampire's three. Kiss. Vampire's Kiss. Yeah, done. <laughs> yes, done. Yes, 
because I could see that happening. Yeah. A little bit like when Gary Busey went crazy after he played Buddy Holly in that TV movie and thought he was Buddy Holly for a while. Like, continued dressing like Buddy Holly for about two years afterwards and would, like, rock up at music venues and just sing Buddy Holly songs. Um, nice. I think that's a little bit like Wacky Phoenix went after um, he did uh, after he was Johnny Cash. I think he, for a little bit, just kind of thought, fuck, I'm Johnny Cash. Uh, uh, and uh, TGP73 um, we've got how do you like your zombies uh, not running are you a fan of the not running I, I prefer I just you know just because they're not zombies mm. that's that, that's the big debate isn't it he's, 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 cause it, they're not zombies they're not zombies no I suppose technically you're right yeah yeah Fair enough. I'll say that. Uh, I, 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 I have no problem with, with fast-moving not-zombies. Um, but, yeah, I'm the same. I like my zombies slow. Um, but uh, I think that's it. I think we've only got two questions. That's the problem with recording on Sundays sometimes. Yeah. Um, is that... Oh, wow. Is that seriously it? Yeah. Um, that's a shame. I'm, I'm not having a go at anyone, you know. No, you, I, I, like, I think, um, it, I think it, it, it's a Sunday and it's sunny. People aren't looking at Twitter today. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. You know, but, um, last time we recorded, we've got loads of questions and it was pissing it down. That's true. Thanks to Steve. Thanks to Glenn. Nice one. Yeah. Uh, also, as well, we did have a, a, a bit of a long break in between. So, uh, yeah. We'll be back without question next week. What film are we covering next week, Ian? Uh... Oh, it's got to be the Hangover Part Three, isn't Shit, it? Is that out this weekend? Yeah, it's like it, it, um, I'll, I'll I'll bring up exactly what's coming out. Right. Uh, even even though I think as well, hang about just a sec. This is how, this is where the magic happens, guys. This is how organised we are. I mean, we can do that for sure. Um, oh no! All right, never mind. Um, uh, VHS 2 comes out in the uh, US. I thought it might have been next week. It's actually the 6th of June. Um, so that might get reviewed in a couple of weeks. But um, No, no, VHS 2. Uh, it comes out on VOD in the US and I have a US iTunes account. So That's Yeah, so there we go. We can legally uh, watch it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's The Hangover Part 2. It's actually a really slow week next week. There's Epic, that new uh, Fox 3D animated film. Um, Grave of the Fireflies and My Neighbor Totoro again, a re-release. Um, uh, the King of Marvin Gardens is getting a reissue. What? Okay, that's weird. Um, Isn't, is it next week that um, Grave of the Fireflies and My Neighbor Totoro are getting a cinema re-release? Did I just say that 20 seconds ago or am I having a stroke? Did you? I might be having a stroke. What the fuck? Right, um, if somebody wants to listen to this and tweet us which one of us just had a mini stroke, that would be good. <laughs> yeah. I could have swapped. That's fucking weird. Um, and the moth. <laughs> the, what the fuck? The Moth Diaries is coming out in key cities as well, but I actually think it's on Netflix US. Um, the Hangover it. Part 3 is like the only suitable thing for us next week, I think. Yes. Well, I, do you know what? Fuck it. I'm all for that. 
Yeah, so am I. I I'm, 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 I'm up for The Hangover Part 3. I think Hangover Part 2 is a better film than The Hangover Part 1, and it's also a very, very nice fuck you to the fucking yobbos and idiots who started quoting The Hangover like no one's business. Yes. Um, it, it, yeah, I, I enjoyed The Hangover Part 2. I've seen it a, a few... I've only seen The Hangover once, yeah. but I've seen The Hangover Part 2 three times. Uh, and each time, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I'm rewatching it this week, and I'm actually looking forward yeah, to it. Yeah, I think I might rewatch Hangover and Hangover Part Two. Uh, I can see why some people don't like it, um, but to be honest, I will take a Hangover movie every year over something like Movie Fucking Forty Three, Project X. And although I didn't hate it, Twenty One and Over, I would much prefer to have a movie like the hangover movies kicking around than stuff like that and also let's be honest we've got the hangover been released one week and then i think what is it a week two weeks later the internship coming out which is just google the movie oh god when is that coming out and also we've also got grown-ups too as well (sighs) so you know i think comedy where it can basically be as ridiculous as um, that looks. I'm all for that. I'm all for comedy that isn't playing it safe. Yeah. I have realised we um, we missed out two trailers. Uh, the first oh, one yeah. being the new full extended uh, World War Z World War Z trailer. Uh, uh, I didn't see it. I, really? I, I, I saw it in the theatre. Uh, and I, if you asked me before what I thought about it, I would have said couldn't give a shit. Um, the full trailer, theatrical trailer I saw today made me go for the first minute of it go, fucking hell, really? And then for the next two minutes of it go, fuck it, sold. It looks fucking massive. Mm. Sold. And really? Yeah, absolutely sold. And I was I was so bleh, against it. Didn't give a shit. Now sold. Really looking forward to it. And have you seen the second teaser trailer for Anchorman yet? Uh, yes. Happy Easter. Yes. That'll do nicely. Yeah, um, laugh my ass off. The I've got a new cologne. It's called Venom. It's basically a hundred percent snake venom. Mm, um, it's it just wonderful. Um, I've got liquor breath, and I want to be your friend. Um, yeah. It, yeah. Uh, do you know what? I, I had a lot of reservations. I. From what I'm hearing about the Kanye West thing, um, I am fucking really looking forward to Anchorman 2 now. Mm-hmm. Oh, and actually, I'll add in trailers. Um, I saw a version of the Kick-Ass 2 trailer that I haven't seen uh, before in in the cinema before um, Fast 6 yesterday. Oh, really? Uh, um, yeah, very, very, very Hit-Girl heavy. Oh, it, it, like, it's, it, it's not Kick-Ass, it's Hit-Girl the movie. Yeah, like, it feels like Kick-Ass is barely going to be in that fucking film. He's not in it a lot, apparently. It, it, it is, it, it's Hit-Girl's movie. Yeah, uh, that's... Hit-Girl and um, Jim Carrey. Ooh, ooh, ooh. What? Do you know what? What? If we recorded later than Sunday next week, mm-hmm. uh, do you know what's screening on HBO next weekend? What? Behind the Candelabra. Is it? The Candelabra. 
Is that the candidate for a screening next Sunday? Next Sunday on HBO in the US. Um, and it's getting released in the cinema next month over here. Yeah. What a fucking retarded way to release a movie. Right, uh, well, we'll be, uh, this episode should be with you, well, when you're listening to it, so we'll record next Monday. We'll record next Monday. So, yes, so you will probably get from us a hangover and uh, beyond the uh, candelabra um, double from us next week. Uh, Sounds like a plan. We'll be back. We've got no life events, uh, I don't think, coming up over the next um, few months. Uh I, I've got a life event tomorrow that I'll be able to talk about next week. Yes, um, I think I know what you mean. Uh, and by by the time this is out, I probably would have said on Twitter anyway, so fuck it. Yeah. It's all good. Um, and uh, I, I, I issue my congratulations um, again. Yes, um, and so thank you very much. Um, at Dude and the Monkey on Twitter, get questions in throughout the week. Uh, we will start them up and we will read them out uh, and answer them on episodes if you think so during the week you want to ask us anything at all fuck it ask us we'll chat for it um also um dude monkey at gmail.com uh, at ian loring at dude Foz, and i think that's about it uh thank you very much for listening we'll be back on a regular schedule from now on boom bang cool